0: This is a Momentum Media production. Investing Insights with Right Property Group.
1: Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors
2: gain financial security.
0: G'day, how you going? Great, Tariff. Make your mark. I'm just looking to here on my pen. Who would have thought? Phil Tarrant here, co-host of Investing Insights with Right Property Group with Steve Waters, Victor Kumar from... The Right Property Guru says, make your mark. Guys, I'm showing you my pen for some reason. I just looked at it and uh, uh, maybe that's a a bit of a guiding light for us for today's podcast about making your mark. Before we come on here, we're just talking about our um, personal journey through property investment and uh, who would have thought 20 years ago when you guys kicked off and probably me less so 12, 10 years ago. Uh, we've been the market that we are today, and you only need to pick up any newspaper or will tell you how hot it is, um, whether that's going to change, who knows. But the big thing at the moment is uh, this reversal of what we've heard over the last year or so that interest rates won't change uh, or the RBA won't lift interest rates to 2024. Maybe that's uh, going to start a little bit earlier. So let's make our mark with uh, this discussion today. And, Victor, I'm going to kick off with you because... Are you, Steve's you, already shaking his head, is it? That was just, that was just the worst. Let's make our mark. <laughs> make your this, mark. This,
1: this isolation, um, uh, Phil, I think it's getting to you. Really? Uh, you need to move around a bit more because uh, you're losing attachment. You're supposed to start with a big sledge, not make your mark.
0: Well, wow. <laughs> I know Steve's been working really hard for years and years and years around this, and he's still trying. Um, and, by no. the way, a nice uh, – I call that the American background, Steve. Your uh, your soft focus fade. Uh, I don't know what you're hiding there behind you, but um, let's actually talk about sensible things and around interest rates because it's making me nervous, Victor. Uh, as a probably you investor. want to talk about sensible things, you got the t- you got the wrong people on board. <laughs> yeah. well, the, other well, guys I- weren- the other guys weren't available, so. <laughs> They're really trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel here. But um, uh, Victor, 2024, interest rates won't change until then. We've been told that. We've been peddled lies over the last year through COVID-19. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. We've been peddled lies throughout the whole investing journey, right? Because here's something that people tend to forget. The trends are transient. There's too many moving parts and no one can predict the future, right? So even if we go back to you know something that's really tangible, uh, when we went into COVID, we were talking about how the property market is going to plunge. And it was, you know, the um, uh, rhetoric there was 30%, then 20% uh, decreases to then reset to zero. And then everyone was talking positive, right? Because no one knew how things would shape uh, and, and perform as time went by. And the interest rates are the same as well. right? We, you know, you will get fluctuations of interest rates and the... Um, possibility of rate rises or decreases um, as things change, inflation changes, uh, market momentum changes, and also uh, the general outlook of people changes. So, yeah, definitely. um, We've had a big change in the rhetoric in terms of uh, interest rates, and um, it looks like it's on the way up, which is something we've been saying for a little while, don't get used to this. And does that concern you? Not really. Not really. And and this is, um, well, yes and no, right? It it does concern me with people that have, because of the lower interest rates, the availability of of finance that have redlined their borrowing capacity, not from a banking point of view, but from a household budget point of view. And they've all done their interest rates and repayments at say two and a half, three percents, or if it's a non-occupier sub two percents, when that goes up, Have we really budgeted for it? So I'm concerned about that band. But from an investor point of view, especially with the portfolios we created and and the advice that we give in terms of how
0: to manage the portfolio, this is part and parcel of normal business. Yeah, and um, we've been saying for a while now through this whole COVID pandemic and you've had a whole bunch of people in the market looking to buy cheapest interest rates in history. Fair enough, we've been... Saying Victor that one thing that you can uh, be guaranteed when it comes to property markets that interest rates uh, will go up at some some point in time. Now, uh, research coming out, uh, Steve, um, uh, from PIPA, Property Investment Professionals of Australia, which I think you're still on the board of. Uh, thank you for the great work that you and and the board do in uh, supporting uh, property investors and the ecosystem supporting it, the professionals around it. It's a story here on SmartPropertyInvestment.com today that says why future interest rate rises won't spell doom and gloom. So a lot of rhetoric you're hearing is that if interest rates go up by X percent, it means all these people are going to be thrown into mortgage stress and that's bad for property markets. Uh, I'll just read the first couple of lines of this story, Stephen, what we we'll discussion around it. says, new studies found interest rates are not to blame for property markets propelling into boom and bust. The analysis from the Property Investment Personals Australia, PIPA, has found that affordability, local economic conditions, consumer attitudes, and access to finance are all more to blame. According to a paper review of five periods of increasing cash rate movement since 1994, house prices have always continued to grow, even in the instance where hikes, or rate hikes of 2.75 percentage points occurred over a period of just six months. So, the discussion, Steve, is everyone's getting caught up in rate rises and the potential of that happening earlier, and that's going to put the brakes on the property market. Fact or fiction? Um, a little bit of both,
2: to be honest with you, because yeah, there is, as Victor mentioned, there's a certain cohort that are redlining it. And for whatever you know, means, you know, they're able to get their hands on credit. They've potentially gone and spent extra credit on non-deductible debt or bad debt, unproductive debt perhaps is a better way to look at it. And there will be an inflection point somewhere in the near future where there's a little bit of stress within their own household. But generally speaking, Pippa is right the report is right. There's been interest rate rises through many, many, many decades and prices have gathered momentum. It's actually a combination of, firstly, availability of credit, that's the major one, in combination with the consumer sentiment at that point in time. If you have those two ingredients and the cost of money is relative, and what I mean by that is people's incomes are increasing, the asset cash flow is increasing, then what you have is a parallel system if you want where the prices should keep increasing. Now we're not talking about all the other fundamentals that that's necessary uh, growth, jobs, economic conditions and the like, but at the end of the day as the cliché goes, everybody needs a roof over their head and someone needs to supply it. It won't
0: be the governments anymore. When you you look at a lot of the media scuttlebutt coming out now around this potential for rate rises, they're saying not 2022, but they're saying 2023 rather than 2024 is when the RBA will start lifting rates. That doesn't say that banks won't work uh, in isolation to that victor. And already a number of the banks have have, uh, pushed up rates a little bit. Maybe we should just explain that for our listeners. That might not be familiar with how it actually works. So the RBA says this is what the official cash rate is. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what the banks give it to you at because they get their money from a whole bunch of different uh, ways. Is that a bit bit of a sort of when you're chatting with clients, say they don't really get how that actually works?
1: Yes. yes. The the workings of that is a little bit complex in that sense, right? And one of the easiest ways to uh, see how what RBA says and what the banks actually deliver is if we go back to all of the interest rate reductions we we had in the in the um, yester years, if the Reserve Bank was dropping the cash rate by half a percent, the banks weren't passing the full half a percent, right? Even though the Reserve Bank governor and the and the treasurer would would get up and say, "Now we encourage the banks to pass the full rate uh, down," uh, the banks weren't passing it on because they do have their own costs as well in terms of where they borrow the money, the the cost of their funding, and and so forth, right? So. Now, whilst the reserve bank cash rate uh, as such sets the tone, it doesn't necessarily mean that the tone is adopted 100% by the lenders because they have their own costs, overheads, and where they get the money from in terms of how the lending works is that the bank actually goes out and borrows money of institutions or larger banks and then resells the money to us. Right. So that cost needs to be passed on, and they still need to make a profit margin uh, on that. So that's why uh, reductions generally don't get passed down. I can almost guarantee you that that increases in rate will definitely get
2: passed down 100%. Yeah, it's a good point. And as you mentioned, Phil, the banks will act out of step with the RBA purely because of the cost of funding. You know, we have probably a global system at the moment that's experiencing elements of inflation. Some areas are higher than others, and that will add or work towards a higher cost of money throughout the system. It, it's not a matter of it has to happen, it will happen. By mm. how much is the you know, trillion dollar question literally? But I would imagine that somewhere in the next, I'm going to call it eight to 18 months, You know, we're going to see some changes around the cost of money. And that might be via different mechanisms. So it may be loaded on an LVR position. So if you're at 90, 95%, well, you might have to pay a premium more so than what you are now, or maybe even property types, locations, and the like. There's many, many different ways that they will set their own benchmarks out of step from the RBA, as Vic mentioned.
1: Yeah. One of the flow-on effects of interest rate rises, uh, which is pertinent particularly to uh, investors, is that over a period of time, not, not immediately, you do see an increase in rental as the interest rates do go up. It gives gives um, a pressure to increase the um, the rents on the properties. And equally importantly, because the interest rates are higher, construction tends to slow down a little bit, especially when, when people can't qualify for finance. So that also adds more pressure towards the rental market as well. So it's a, um, you know, interest rate increases Aren't necessarily there to dampen the market itself. It's it's a necessity to um, certainly work on the inflation side of it, to dampen the market. More so, uh, the constraints in terms of lending is put forward, so, which has a more pronounced effect immediately.
2: Let's look at the the pot of ingredients in relation to what Pete did in the report for Pippa there. So we've got the cost of money, we've got the availability of credit, we have. Escalating components of the construction industry that are just going through the roof. So, the cost of construction is up circa 20 to 30 percent, and it will increase due to those bottlenecks of supply for building materials throughout the system. As a side note, and I mentioned this yesterday on another podcast, one of my friends who's a builder, when they need to top up with timber, they go to the, you know, the Bunnings or the Mitre 10s, the large timber yards. They've been reduced to 15 sticks of timber in some areas they rationing timber, are they? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Now that's like on the surface, that just seems like, okay, but you, you throw that throughout the industry with the cost of construction. So that's another component, which may be a barrier to entry for people looking to purchase new or build new. Then you have new home builds, which have essentially dropped off the side of a, a cliff last month. You've got the rate, you've got the APRA break, And on the other side of the ledger, we have a first homeowner's grant that has and always will perpetuate a market until a point in time where it either ceases to exist or the natural barrier to entry becomes price. Then you put in the international borders opening. Now, hopefully with some volume as the governments want. And going back to my earlier commentary, if people aren't buying to either reside in or to provide accommodation via being a landlord, then, where is the accommodation going to come from? And if there's not enough there, brackets under supply, and remember some areas throughout Australia are already under supplied, then there is no other consequence other than rents will increase. Mm. And that will create another problem for the government. And so, this is this balancing act. You've got the RBA on one side of the ledger saying, well, you know, we're not going to increase the cash rate. Know, 2024 now it might be yeah, late next year or whatever it may be, crystal ball gazing. You've got the cost of funding on another from another aspect and they've got an economy in recovery that they're still trying to perpetuate. So the rates go up, kills confidence if it goes up largely and the, the recovery stalls and you're back to square one again, as in the middle of the pandemic or even, you know, post-pandemic to some degree. So it's a very, very unique situation. Damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yet this is what, for me, makes it exciting because there is no rule book, never has been, mm. but even more so now, it becomes a really interesting time and there will be winners and there'll be losers. Mm. And there, and therein lies
0: opportunity for property investors, right, Victor?
1: Yeah, it, it does. And, and one of the key things is um, uh, when you're investing is you should always invest within your means, right? So what I mean by that is that the properties that you're buying and the strategies that you're undertaking are affordable to you as, as a household, not necessarily what the bank's willing to lend to you, but you need to be looking at it from a, from several things, right? So obviously interest rate, and, and you need to work it out as if the interest rates have gone up by 1%, 2 3%, right and whether you'd be able to sustain it and what do you need to do to be able to sustain that that portfolio the second thing you need to look at is in the immediate future what's happening career wise so therefore that's a second driver of your portfolio right which is the income coming in and um, you know whether there's any strong uh, changes in the family situation whether you've got a child coming on or, or you know you're getting married all of those things need to be played in into within the portfolio now does that present an opportunity to investors as interest rates do rise there is a potential that it may force some people to take stock of where they're heading in terms of investing, and also to um, be forced to sit on the sidelines, because when the cash rate rises, the assessment rate would, would go with it, right? So let's say uh, the assessment rate at the moment is uh, say two and a half, uh, two and a half times, two point five times, right? And the cash rate rises by half a percent, your assessment that it's done at will increase by that, if not higher, as as the banks look at it from that viewpoint. So naturally your ability to borrow will diminish. And we need to also recognize that every person has got a capacity for lending. And so if you're already redlining right now, now's the time before all of these interest rate changes come in, the lending changes do come in. Now's the time to perhaps restructure your mortgages, relook really at you know, how you're running your portfolio to make it lean and efficient so that you're actually preparing for the inevitable, which is interest rate rise. In fact, you should be preparing for this throughout, regardless of whether they talk about interest rate
2: rises or not. Well, what you're referring to there, Vic, is, is something that we've been banging on for years now, and, and that's around liquidity, mm-hmm. liquidity and cash flow, two different components. And now is as good a time as any within the current circumstances or environment, to potentially look at liquefying some of those equity positions that you may or may not, or hopefully that you do have, you should have if you've purchased in the last couple of years, and just getting liquid. But just be also aware that by doing so, you will erode some of your your serviceability. Another thing that just came to my mind, and I'm not sure if it was two or three podcasts ago or on one of our Facebook Lives, Vic, where we talked about the resentful investor.
0: Yes.
2: And it will now, you will see over the next 12 to 18 months uh, an element of exactly that. There will be the resentful investor who's redlined too much, hasn't looked after the cash flow position. I'm not necessarily talking about the property. I'm talking about their household budget and capacities and thresholds when the growth starts to slow or go sideways and they're too, they're too negatively cash flowed they will become resentful. Once again, they'll then entertain. If not, they'll sell the property. They'll put it on the market. At the same time that you've got your normal vendor at the moment who's trying to price grab, take the top of the market, which is why we're seeing much more stock on market in some areas, not all, in some areas. And if you get those two those two points uh, coming together at the same time, well, then it might become a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of a market downturn. Do I think that will happen? Not in enough volume because the mm. fundamentals are still there.
1: Yeah. And and this is not COVID related. This is normal ebb and flow of
2: property investing. That's a great point. This is different trigger points, but this is the cycle doing its thing. And it's not the first time that we've seen this. Mm. And
0: hence reason why it's it's good to invest with people that have uh experience in many different markets and you know the 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 rules are largely the same, it's just the environment we operate within a very bit different. And picking up this piece uh, here on smartpointinvestment.com.au, Steve, um, it uh, continues, while the strength and weakness of property does play a role, Pippa Chairman uh, Peter Kalouzis uh, uh, stated that markets were instead frequently influenced by local economic conditions, particularly affordability concerns. And you touched that before there, Steve. Uh, it's a similar trend to what's playing out now. And this is a quote from Peter. There has been much uh, conjecture over the last 18 months that record low interest rates are the singular reason why property prices have skyrocketed when the cash rate was already at a former record low as in point, uh, 0.75% before the pandemic hit. Uh, he pointed at a pessimistic outlook being circulated that if interest rates do rise, home prices would immediately begin to decrease dramatically, uh, which he said appears to be an attempt to scare people and to debunk the myth. Steve, uh, Mr. Cluzo cited data from the ABS. Quote, the latest ABS lending indicator showed that the national average loan size for unoccupied dwelling rose to or was 574,000 bucks in September, which shows that the vast majority of people are not racking up massive singular mortgages of a million dollars or more. And that's him putting this into context. Obviously, the top of the market gets a lot of headlines, but most Australians are still borrowing within their means. And if there were to be a jump in interest rates if the average dwelling size is uh, $574,000. Yes, an increase would hurt some back pockets, but it wouldn't decimate a lot of people if they're financially responsible, Steve.
2: I think uh, over the last 10 or so years, people have become a lot more financially responsible, savvy, whichever way you want to look at it. And that's been helped via technology, the internet, podcasts like these, the offset facility, you know, multitude of factors, you know, maybe even to the point where people are far more entrepreneurial today than what they were 30 years ago. Mm. All of this adds up to a people being far more fiscally responsible than what they were yesteryear. And the thing that we're not talking about here is that there is still or the, the beginnings of an undersupply of labor, which could potentially mm-hmm. mean wage growth. Which might negate some of these interest rate rises, but also to could some of the rent rises that we're already having. I mean, Queensland's a great example of that. As I've mentioned before, you could go back two and a half years ago to that interest rate and the increases you've had in the income of your properties in Queensland, you'd still be in a better position today. Mm. than what you were back then, even if the rates go up, if that makes any sense. And there's a lot of areas throughout Australia. So coming back to what Pete said, though, he's correct in that the fundamentals, local economic conditions, all go towards a holistic position throughout the economy. Now, having said that, there will be sectors that do suffer, whether it is the top end of the market, whether it is the regional areas, which is another, another conversation. Uh, maybe it's some of the holiday-led areas. Yeah, there will be elements of areas that will suffer, but there'll be those that continue to do well. So think about it this way that if serviceability calculations are tightened again, if rates go up a few blips, people's intent is still going to be there, just like it was during the GFC in its deepest, darkest hours. There was high intent search activity throughout the the platforms that sold real estate, that won't change. It's just the ability to get money. So if everything gets screwed down in terms of serviceability and the and the interest rates, therefore diminishing your borrowing capacity and you still want to invest, you will look to the more affordable areas or you will look for the brackets into which you can invest, which is usually those affordable areas. So you have a first homeowner's grant spurring a market on, you've got a supply scenario in a lot of areas, which is spurring growth. And then you're going to potentially have other people being forced, for want of a better word, into those same areas. So you might actually end up with a three-tier market. Mm. That will be interesting.
0: Yeah. And I'd point out that Peter's commentary here is very considered. Hence, the reason why we have PIPO, the property business and professional trade, actually gives some sense to it rather than putting a market commentary in the hands of the media who often quite sensationalise around it. And, you know, this, Victor, continues here, um, uh, those monthly mortgage repayments of a $574,000 loan may increase by $73 a week if the interest rate increased one percentage point from three to 4%. And he says the PIPA chairman uh, has given an important reminder that new loans, and this is important, are already stress tested against significantly higher oh. interest rates, about 5.65%. And so alarmist forecasts that aren't backed up by Evans are pointless. So he says here, Victor, what then is causing house prices to shoot up at the present time? Quote, there are clearly a number of factors at play, including some buy hysteria, I'm afraid to say. But one of the main reasons for our booming market conditions is easier access to credit, which was not simply the case uh, two years ago when rates uh, were also low. So to me, it's pretty much going. Everyone's got to take it a little bit easier and not get carried away with it. This sort of, you know, cliff that that people are thinking about this hike of uh, interest rates. If people are well positioned, it shouldn't really be too much of an impact. So, you know, a lot of this is geared towards our own occupiers, Victor. So, That's for right. property investors, but the same rules of engagement apply. It absolutely does, and and
1: um, you're right in terms of when the bank lends you the money, they do, they do stress test it, right? So that allows a few interest rate rises uh, to be factored in into the, into the equation throughout the life of the loan. Where people do go wrong is that uh, once they've bought the property, they take on a lot more ancillary debt, which is, you know, getting a car lease, getting, getting you know, f- furniture on after pay, all those sort of things. They do add up, right? So it's not necessarily the property that's going to get them down. It's the holistic thing, the holistic financing that they've got in terms of their life that generally gets them down. Remembering that you can, credit is very easy to get in this country, extremely easy to get, provided you've got a job and provided you've got some collateral. Uh, so when credit is so easy to get, it's more of uh, you know, fueling more the culture of, I want it right now, I want it right here. So getting that new car, getting that new furniture, getting that holiday on um, after buy or um, on the credit card they do add up. So it's really important that not only the property, but looking at the entire household budget on a regular basis and actually quarantining money for different things that you want to do so that it gives you the ability to also have a good quality life and, and not not uh, you know just be sitting at home and also still have the capacity to sustain higher interest rates as the cost of money increases.
2: Yeah, I think there'll be definitely a hesitation within the market. In fact, you could probably Mm. see it now with stock on market levels in some areas because the media has a very good knack of perpetuating what could potentially be bad news. That wouldn't be you, Phil. It's um, it's (laughs) The the merchant
0: of doom and gloom, that's what I'm told I'm called in some circles, Steve. The merchant of doom and gloom. Mm. I'm
2: only kidding. I've heard other nicknames, but cool. I will go with that one. Did um, you just call me the, the the property prince prince prince. Property. <laughs> He's lost for <the> words. <laughs> um, so there'll be there'll definitely be elements that will see a hesitation, and that potentially there will be some sufferance to some sectors of the community. Having said that, I read a report the other day that credit card debt is is at its lowest mm-hmm. in many many decades. I'd like to see the equivalent in terms of car debt, boat debt, afterpay debt, afterpay, correct, and the like. But I don't think we can ever forget that debt is a great servant, but it's a very bad master. And maybe we'll start to see that play out.
1: Hmm. So even if, if, if you look at the, the yesterday years of high interest rate, when you're talking about the 17%, the 20%, right? People did not lose their properties because of the fact that the property lost equity. It's that they could not afford the cash flow, right? Now, highly unlikely that we'll get to that sort of numbers ever um, in, in terms of interest rates. But a lot of people still were able to hold on to their property and, and still, yes, they had to make some adjustments in lifestyle. They had to go out and take second jobs. High interest rates, in my opinion, are, are very transient it doesn't last for that long because first of all, it's not sustainable, right? So your uh, normal interest rates, if you look at it from a, any 10-year snapshot, take away those, those uh, 17, 20%, it generally is, is around the 45 to 5.5% mark. And the bank's actually assessing you at that rate anyway in today's market. So it's unlikely that, first of all, it's unlikely that we'll reset back that rapidly to that level. But if it ever did, it's already been factored in into mortgage. So it's not the
0: mortgage that's going to get you down. It's actually, like I said before, it's everything else around it. And I think that's what, what um, Peter from Pipper here is trying to say is that, yes, interest rates are part of the property equation, but it's not the total the quantum of the property equation. It's one very small factor uh, which mixed up with the DNA of every single investor, Victor, who is different, you need to be considered about. And to me, the key point is that, Australians should be responsible if they're taking on debt. It's your responsibility to take on debt. However, there is this oversight from APA and from other regulatory bodies that help the banks make sure they're not putting Australians into debt that they shouldn't be getting. And it's pretty hard to get a home loan at the moment, even if you are two pay slips, PAYG, perfect uh, credit history. It's still not easy You're Not throwing money at you. You've got to jump through a lot of hoops to show the fact that you are a sustainable investor, and that should hold the property Market in good stead, and you know there is uh, the Merchants of Doom. Steve, what's his name? Martin North, still proclaiming forty percent drop in Australian property prices at some point in time. No doubt he's sitting there saying, "Yes, this is going to be the catalyst behind it this time around."
2: I'm surprised you haven't had him on one of your podcasts or, or shows yet. Yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, give, him, give him the give him the the exposure that he deserves. Yeah. Um, and I say that with all due respect. I actually think that whilst what we've talked about so far hasn't been particularly sexy or, and it potentially all negative because rates equals negativity in most people's mindsets, Mm. you know, there is a cause and effect here. I actually see the next few years as extremely potentially being extremely profitable as investors. As long as you just look after some of those absolute key components because there isn't just one component, so it's not just the cost of money, as we mentioned earlier on, and you could actually be in a very strong position to actually take advantage of the opportunities that happen because people don't have an information problem. It's everywhere. What they have is a problem on how to execute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. And while there's all this banter in the media, because it is everywhere around, yeah, you know, well, this is the end in many shapes and forms, my suggestion is to people just to block out that noise because it's not necessarily true. Sit back, think about it, look at just the key components, then make rational decisions rather than in these knee jerk reactions. And that doesn't mean on the negative side, but also on the positive side.
0: You know, there's two sides. Yeah. And how do you frame this, though, Steve, as a new investor? So, you know, I've been investing in property for a decade, you guys probably two decades. Uh, when we started buying property within smart property investment with with you guys supporting us as a buyers agent we were paying like two hundred, two hundred twenty, two hundred thirty thousand dollars 230,000 to get into the market in the western suburbs of um of sydney now if you're buying those same properties you're looking at six, seven, eight, nine million dollars right if, the, is, at, if, you, if you got them at 6 you'd buy 10 uh, yeah which which is mind blowing so everyone's going well you guys started at the right time you you've had all the advantages of that decade it's out of control now. Who would have thought? I can't get in the market. How do I even, as a beginner investor, inverted commas, getting into Sydney, you're dropping seven eight $800,000. Um, wages haven't gone up that much uh, over those same 10-year period. Your paradigm and attitude towards it does. Is it harder now than what it was back then? And then let's fast forward another decade. Are we going to all be saying, wow, remember how cheap it was back in 2021 when interest rates were at X, and you could get a place in the Western suburb of Sydney for only $800,000. Yeah, look, that argument is probably every
2: cycle. In fact, I saw an article a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure where it was. I should drag it up. And I think it was back in the 1950s, maybe 60s. And it was a headline in the newspapers back then that was saying along the lines of how will our next generation be able to afford their own home? So that argument has been around since Jesus was a boy. Like it's always there. Uh, granted, when you're first starting out, wrapping your head around that fact is challenging. I know it was for me. Yeah, you know, When I was buying my properties at circa $100,000 in the very beginning, did I think they were going to be worth two hundred? dollars Theoretically I did. But it wasn't until they got there that, yeah, there was some sort of, evidence or was was evidence that it does happen. And you only got to go back and look at the records that are freely available for everybody via the interweb to see how prices have tracked. Not in a lineal sense, but the trajectory is up over time. And that's why you know all good advisors will say this isn't a short-term gig, this is a long-term strategy. And if you get quicker wins along the way, that's awesome. But it's not normal. Keep your eyes on the horizon because that's where the dividends are.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, Steve. Um, I think one of the things um, beginning investors uh, tend to get wrong is they expect meteoric growth within the first one, two years. But property investing is really a medium to long-term play. And like you said, the trajectory is always upwards, but you will have your bumps up and down in amongst that trajectory where markets go sideways, markets go down, and then markets go significantly upwards. So the average trend is upwards. And uh, a lot of people try and time the market and, and um, you know, chase the market in that sense. Ideally, what you should really be doing as an investor is actually chase the opportunity as opposed to chase the market. The opportunity needs to link back to what you're trying to achieve, your affordability factor, and what's happening immediately and in the next couple of years in your life uh, to, to you know make sure that the property that you're buying or you're not buying actually um, goes to good stead and, and helps you... Improve
2: your wealth prospects, as opposed to
1: becoming a noose around your neck.
2: Yeah, and that's what real estate is. You're you're actually controlling the opportunity for tomorrow, mm. not for today. But interesting. The interesting thing I often think about is, yeah, because of asset, new asset types such as crypto, and you know, almost you know, instant, you know, it's wealth, or, yeah, <laughs> wealth or not, are people becoming? used to, especially that generation, are people becoming used to that volatility with the wins or with the losses? And is that actually flowing through their mindset to other asset classes? Is property now going to be thought of, especially after what we've experienced over the last couple of years, for the beginning investor? And a beginning investor is still five years young, Mm. by the way. Are they going to be used to this type of you know, upward trajectory or volatility, if you will, it's interesting because there yeah. has been a, an absolute reshape in people's mm-hmm. mindset around money, around different asset classes and how to control it. But one thing will always stay true and that there will be winners and there'll be losers. Mm. One of the things that
1: uh, Steve, you mentioned in the beginning investor, who's was five years old, so they've been in the investing game for five years.
2: They actually haven't seen an interest rate rise. Right. So well, there's a whole happens. generation there that haven't seen an interest rate with a three in front of it. Yep. Yeah. Let alone a four. Mm. It's, um, that'll be interesting. We started investing as sixes. Yeah. and That was considered cheap. Mm. Yeah. All that way back then. And that's with your element of, uh, you know, complexity even way back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. So,
0: so all of this then, Victor, to wrap this up, um, Will this shape where you should be investing right now or that's largely irrelevant? It still comes down to why, the how, the who, the when uh, rather than where. uh, Or does it lend itself to a particular market, this environment?
1: Yeah, no, you shouldn't really tie yourself to a particular market. Investing is all about controlling opportunities within your means, right? So the first thing you need to address is the why as opposed to where. And if you ask the questions in the right order, you will, you know, you'll make sure that you know, it, it goes more your way than not. One of the things that, that I wanted to, as a um, concluding remark, is, is say that when you look at interest rates, so we mentioned that, you know, Phil, when you started, it was 6%. The interest rates were 6%, right? Now, the spread between the mortgage repayment and the rents coming in is pretty much the same. We were buying properties at that time at 250 Thai, right? The spread between the mortgage repayment and the interest rate repayments, uh, sorry, the, the rents coming in was pretty much the same. As opposed to right now, we're buying the same properties for say 700, 800,000. The rates are a lot lower and the rents have gone up. So the spread is still the same. It's just that we need more capital to get into it. Uh, and we need to be a lot more mindful of, the rates going up, the interest rates going up and us being able to hold onto it because if you hold onto it long enough, the spread comes back to its normal
2: again. I agree. One thing though that I said a little differently in relation to your question, Phil, will the future, will people be directed into certain areas because of the potential circumstances? For me, the short answer is yes, they will be. And they will be because of purely their borrowing capacity. That's the short answer. Because mm-hmm. once again, the intent will still be there, no matter what the rates are, no matter what the economy is doing. I believe property is more of an asset today than what it was twenty years ago, and in, in terms of the way people understand it and the people want to be a part of it. So, yes, they will be steered to a different to different areas throughout the country based on what they can borrow. So,
0: speaking about areas at the moment, tell me about Brisbane. How crazy is it up there Steve we'll conclude with this uh it's buoyant hot or not yeah. buoyant,
2: buoyant. It's, uh, I don't like the word hot it's um it's doing its thing but people need to and there are some commentators within the media that are saying well you know it's it is eating its head off for one of the better words it's just growing exponentially but what people need to understand is it's actually having a catch up phase mm. for what it potentially hasn't done in terms of expectations over the last 10 or so years so it is and that, happened in, that happened in uh, Tasmania as well right Tasmania was flat for many that years and then rocket happened on. in Sydney yeah uh, as well in fact all markets go through times of nothingness and there'll be a catch up phase I mean you just you've only got to go and look back at the historical averages and sometimes you're going to get elements or time periods of great growth but it'll it'll play within its sort of averages. So to speak, uh, but Brisbane's got that double whammy effect going on, where you're getting the growth, and but you're also getting great rental growth as well, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know, some areas throughout the country which have got the growth, their rentals are, or their cash flow is staying still. Yeah, Brisbane's not that; it's uh, it's in a very good
0: position. Yeah, and I, I read a piece today uh, in a paper while I was waiting for my coffee to cook, uh, Victor saying that rents are on the way up in Sydney. Fact or fiction? Uh, Fact.
1: Fact. They are are on the way up. Um, And um, again, rents, finance, value growth, they're all moving cycles. And these cycles are all interlinked.
0: That's good. Uh, Well, we've covered a lot of ground there. I think the takeaway for me, gents, is uh, don't get too absorbed with interest rate rises. There are so many other factors which shape property markets uh, in Australia. Uh, So don't always... uh, consider what you read in the newspapers to be uh, the key factor in property at any given time. That's my summary, Steve.
2: I, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. So if rates went up by, let's call it one and a half percent in for you. Yeah. What would your intentions be? Now that you're a sophisticated uh, investor, you've been around for a couple of cycles now. Mm. So you've got a different head on your shoulders t- than to what was theory, uh, mm. theory for you all those years back.
0: How would you see the next five years? I probably wouldn't change much, to be honest with you. I might um, go to my mortgage broker and maybe shift some stuff from p and to interest only uh, so, the, so the outlay is consistent. Uh, and this hold the line through this period, as Victor said, um, uh, these things move in, in cycles until you get another uplift and a down a downwards push on interest rates and then shift back to a PNI type scenario. That's what I would do. You could still end up paying the same amount out uh, from a cash flow point of view. It might shape your portfolio, how it drives forward for a period of time. That's what I'd be doing. I think that's a good answer.
2: And you said something there that I thought was very, very relevant, hold the line. Now, mm-hmm. hold the line in its initial... Phases is a little bit of a negative scenario. It's a it's a defense play. Yeah. But whether your offense or defense, cash flow is always king. Always has been. Always will be. And so for those listeners out there that are, they can't get out of their head potentially a, a negative scenario or a conservative. Let's call it a conservative scenario. Well, then maybe, you, know, you should be speaking with your broker. Yeah. And actually adjusting. The cash flow position on the on the portfolio now, whether that means going from PI to interest only, whether it means setting rates for two, three, five years, whatever it may be, get some really good advice around that from a an experienced broker because mm. there's not a lot of them. And then at least you can sleep at night. At the end of the day, whether you miss out on a bit of growth, whether you, you know, lose a bit of value, sleep at night is
0: immeasurable. You, everybody needs it. And as long as you have good assets, you're largely guaranteed that at a point in time, there'll be an inflection tick back up. Uh, It's just about holding the line for that period of time. And I I must prefer uh, an offensive strategy rather than defensive strategy, but sometimes you need to be defensive Um, when it comes to interest rates. Maybe this is the time. And it's something you can, it's a bit of a headache to do it, but something you can move pretty quickly on is recalibrating your interest rates if you have a good broker. It might take Absolutely. you a couple of months, right? But if you do that, or six, yeah, or six, just to, for a period of time for three years, uh, that's that's smart business, I reckon.
2: I think it is. Property has a unique attribute being that you can be uh, defensive from the cash flow point of view, but you can actually be offensive
0: on the purchasing mm. part of the strategy. And we did a podcast on this some time ago, I think by memory, Victor, offensive versus defensive strategy okay. when it comes to property, and and offensive is. You need to be offensive, otherwise you're never going to get anywhere Mm. uh, with with property. Um, I just want to clarify that being offensive doesn't mean throwing caution to the winds, right? Mm. It's a measured approach. Being very tactical. Strategic, methodical. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Well, maybe we can pick up that chat at some point in time, uh, gentlemen. But, um, yeah, really enjoy the discussion today. uh, uh, Hopefully that gives some sense to our listeners about um, don't get too caught up or swept away. Uh, in a, a lot of the fear and hysteria coming out of it right now. Um, the chairman from PIPA there's some pretty good counsel. If you want to go and read that story, you can. It's on big Victor, if anyone wants to sort of just pick your brain around this particular point, have got any concerns around or how they can actually approach it, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Sure, just uh, reach out to us on our website or through our social media. Uh, there's a bit of a process, uh, obviously, uh, to get Steve on my, my time, but uh, we are more than happy to talk with you.
0: Nice one. Well, uh, thanks uh, for joining us uh, today, Steve and uh, Victor, directors at Right Property Group. I'm Phil Tarrant, co-host with these guys of Investing Insights, Right Property Group. We'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye.
1: The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.